video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch. Hello, watch. my name is Justin LeClure, and here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast. We go through all of this week's notable Blu-rays and DVDs. Oh, you got that down now, the notable part. I think that I when like I like, locked onto notable, it made it much easier <laughs> than it ever was before. We should just call it the notable podcast. <laughs> the notable just podcast. No- yeah, and people are like, ooh, are they talking about books or yeah, news? Anything notable. Nope, nope. That's <laughs> no, not, oh, no. That'd be a weird rebranding yeah. if we did that <laughs> so uh this list was a little bit harder to make than it usually is yeah but a smaller week but, mm-hmm. a small, but i think we got some gems here I yeah think we have some gems we start right from the beginning with kolchak uh i want to say the vampire hunter that is not true <laughs> no he was never called that for people that don't know kolchak was a, a series of tv movies directed by dan curtis uh one of them he fought a strangler and the other one he did fight a vampire and then from there they decided to spin it into its own tv series where he uh fights headless horsemen in an episode written by robert zemeckis not technically a headless horseman right. a headless uh motorcycle rider and all sorts of wild adventures it was a series that famously stephen king shit on in his book dance macabre because he said it's so unrealistic that kolchak would meet something like you know he takes a boat and he meets a werewolf on the boat to which i say i don't care oh they can meet monsters all the time doesn't (laughs) what's his problem with that i don't get that yeah it's weird but people love the series and the new release from Kino. Has it ever gotten a DVD release before? It has, yeah. It was just put out by Universal. Still available, um, and we sell a lot. Uh, this is by far the hottest selling title this week, though. Mm-hmm. We have been blowing through these. People love this show. Absolutely love it. And you can tell from all the special features Kino has, commentary on every episode, including some that have two commentary tracks. <laughs> it's just, you know, uh, those genre scholars like Tim Lucas, uh, Tom Weaver, they're all over this. And uh, David Ch- Chase even gets interviewed, the guy who created The Sopranos, because he was like the story editor on this show and like has his name on half of the episodes. So yeah. this is a perfect like, you know, 70s fix of monsters. And supposedly it was a miserable TV production. I'm sure they get into it on the commentary tracks. But, you know, it's a nice um, retro throwback of something that wasn't that easily available for a long time. Yeah, and something that, like, you know, if it hadn't have existed, maybe the X-Files wouldn't have come about. Oh, that's or right, because you know, Chris the, Carter said that exactly, uh, he was inspired right? by this. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I was. I was a big X-Files fan as a kid, and I was always told, like, oh, Kolchak, the Night Stalker, that's where this kind of thing started. So, and you never went yeah. and checked it out? Uh, I saw an episode here or there. I just never had a lot of access to it as a kid. They but, rebooted um, Kolchak for, like, a they season. They did. I remember we had that on DVD for sale at one point, mm-hmm. but nobody bought it. No. Was that a James... Wong, the guy who did Final oh, Destination production, because he was a big be right. X Files guy, yep. and they took him probably. I from think that. it had an X Files connection. So I think. Did you're you right. watch the X Files reboot or try to? I did. I tried to. My partner and I were huge X Files fan. We were kind of excited for it. I think we lasted three or four episodes. We watched up to the episode with uh, Murray from Flight of the Concords, okay. which was the one written by. Um, Darren Morgan, yes, I believe. So Mr. Willard like, himself. Yeah, so it had like the comedy aspect, and we liked that, but you know what? It just felt so tired mm. that we just were like, you know what? I'd rather just watch old X-Files. <laughs> I remember reading about it, and an issue people brought up was the fact that like the Joel McHale character is an Alex Jones type, and the problem is that all the conspiracies right, are true, right. and it's like, oh, that's problematic when you kind of that apply it to real life. <laughs> you know, Chris Carter, I love the X-Files. I love what Chris Carter created there. Don't necessarily think he's the 
brightest bulb all the time, though. You're more of a hard times kind of guy. Harsh times? Harsh times. <laughs> or, uh, no, no, harsh realm. Harsh realm. Yeah, the VR um, I, war game. I remember tuning into that the very like during the premiere, being super excited as a kid. Terrible show. Terrible Lone Gunman show. as well. Yep, I watched all of the Lone Gunman. Um, My favorite Chris yeah, Carter story yeah. is that the Simpsons writers said that while they were recording with Stephen Hawking's, uh, Chris Carter came in and without asking for permission, threw an X Files hat on Stephen Hawking's <laughs> and then took a photo. He's like, "Thanks, man," and left. What a loser! <laughs> that is like exactly what I expect Chris Carter to do. So moving on, we have oh, what an anticipated release! Woo! It is the Super Mario Brothers. Now I'm sure people have been you know, really wanting a special edition of this for ages, right? Obviously, obviously. (laughs) I mean, this is one of the most legendary productions of the 90s legendary maybe? legendary Which, for the wrong reasons everyone our age was also forced to watch we this were film. we were <laughs> for so many times reasons. i don't so know why times. i've seen this this is probably the movie i've seen the most times that i don't really like i mean i have no positive nostalgia for this movie even <laughs> though i've watched it probably 30 times but <laughs> yeah, i do like the behind the scenes stories and this ports over this umbrella edition which is region free the documentary that was released on a uk version and which interviews everybody available, the directors, uh, John Leguizamo, all the actors, even Roland Joffe, the producer of this film. I did not know this was essentially an uh, independent production. Yeah, it was, right? Yeah, that's And then right. I guess Disney sort of picked it up to mm-hmm. put it out, um, which is why it'll probably never see a North American Blu-ray release or anything. And the big deal with this is that unlike the UK version, it includes the extended work print that yeah. some fans made. And you can find it online, I believe. Yeah, it was so on there for a while. This was getting uh, promoted pretty heavily earlier this year. I remember mm. somebody, there was a piece on it at, uh, I think, Screen Slate, which is a New York-based... Uh, as opposed to Slate out. Screen. Slate Screen, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> oh, wait, um, which one do you write for again? Slant. slant. Yeah, it's not Slate. Yeah. Everybody says Slate. I, no, I write for slant. Screen Slant, which is a yeah, completely different slant. episode uh, as well. <laughs> but yeah, one of the guys who um, work, writes for them, I think the guy who does uh, Justin La Liberté, the guy who works at Vinegar Syndrome mm-hmm. too, I think he was writing about this because, yeah, they had basically put together this work print. They put it together in two different versions too, like a VHS version. So it looks like you're actually watching like an old school VHS tape of it or like a DVD like cleaned up version. I believe the VHS version is the one that's on Yeah, I think that's what's on here. Same content. Um, But yeah, it is much longer. It's like two hours long, whereas the original cut, I believe, is an hour 45. But that's an assembly cut. Like the directors never expected that version to get out of the Yeah, a lot of the footage has time code on it. It looks really crappy. Um, So I've watched that cut. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it necessarily makes the movie any better. (laughs) Makes it longer. Makes it longer. Um, Still has all the same kind of things that I remember from it. Uh, for my multiple viewings of seeing it, just more of that. I mean, it's one of those movies that, like, yeah, we don't really like it, but there's something about the production design, about the ambition of it that I can kind of respect, even if I think it totally misses the point mm-hmm. of Super Mario Brothers in general. But And the documentary is really fascinating is that like some of the early drafts, like the people nailed it. They were like, this mm-hmm. is it. This is like a good Super Mario Brothers adaptation. And they were like, oh, it's too kiddie. It's like, why do you own this? Because Roland yeah. Joffe, the, uh, the director of The Killing Fields yep. and The Mission. Serious movies. Yeah. He's <laughs> the one who got the property himself by going directly to Nintendo 
Nintendo right, right. and pitching a dinosaur version of it. And they're yep. like, sure, do whatever you want. And then <laughs> yeah. Nintendo wasn't involved. And so that's how it kind of got mutated. And the script got changed at the last minute. Yeah. And the directors weren't happy either, even though they were happy with an earlier version of the script. Uh, they seemed like they didn't want to have any of the video game stuff in it. Like, they and wanted to remove all of it. That's what my problem was. Mm. Like, we all loved the game Super Mario Brothers as a kid. And I just loved... The thing I loved most about it was the bright colors and just, like, the look of that world. And I don't feel like any of that is really in this. Well, like, they it's definitely... It's the complete opposite. It's the complete opposite. It's grungy. It's yeah. dark. And, and I get that there's, like... I can appreciate that, but it's just not Super Mario Brothers for me. Now, so. I believe that, you know, this gets compared all the time to Blade Runner. It's yeah. the same production designer as Blade Runner and Pee-wee's okay. Big Adventure, which that is why sense. it is the way that it is. And like originally they said, we don't want that. That's why we're not hiring you. And then at the last minute, they're like, oh no, come in. We, we do, do want, want you. That. Yeah, <laughs> it has that like subburton-esque mm. kind of feel to it a little bit. The only um, thing they don't do in the documentary is there were some oral histories that went into how like the director or maybe just one of them was like an awful human being and treated. Yeah. And they do not talk about that in the... Uh, yeah, they were problematic, I think. Yes. <laughs> uh, but like we were saying, we, you know, they made the DOA remake before this. Oh, great movie. fun. Yeah, yeah, which is actually good and then this was kind of like the next step up which they just totally uh kind of shot themselves in the foot with i, I would so, say it's not so their fault because it was yeah, like being exactly. rewritten at the last minute there's like a famous freak out that dennis hopper had that mm. like stopped uh shooting for half a day you know where, dennis hopper i yeah. like in this movie he's okay because he was like what like i can't learn new lines you give me new lines every <laughs> yeah this is yeah. the thing is like i've made movies and you do want to rewrite up to the last minute and like the actors like when they were getting their lines were like what you just changed a word like right? why are you doing this <laughs> and it's because you feel you need to like improve it as much as you can so. yeah you can tell it was a troubled production yes you're watching absolutely. very obviously troubled but i probably might still pick this release up i'm not gonna lie because it's just like i love that this is even available now mm -hmm. in this kind of way even though it's you know it's engine award imprint prices yeah it's not that expensive no not that quite that expensive wait uh, imprint what's the other one second sight indicator indicator yeah. i always get confused just announced they're moving into the North American market. Does that mean their disc is going to drop down to like thirty two ninety five? Sure. Well, I don't know if it's going to be like Arrow, so they'll have like new, like actual U.S. releases of these films, like re-releases. Yeah, like re-releases. We'll have to see. It's starting in January, apparently. So moving on, we have oh whoa a four K release. You can slim, tell that we were low on titles this week. <laughs> I was looking at the list and I'm like, what have I seen here? We have Alec Carlito's way. <laughs> Now, this doesn't come packaged with Carlito's Way 2, like some of the releases I wish. Do. Rise to Power or whatever. Yeah. Right? yeah, which was, I remember working at Rogers back in the day, and we got so many copies of that in when it came out. It's like, you guys realize this isn't a theatrical film, right? I don't know. I feel like this often gets lumped into the whole, like, it's like the sub Scar, it's like the Scarface do-over, like, 10 years later, but not as good. And, you know, it kind of is. I mean, you get Al Pacino again doing, like, a ridiculous accent for a nationality that he is not. Mm. <laughs> you know, he's Puerto Rican. He's definitely not Puerto Rican, really. He's really over the top. It's got that, you know, very De Palma-esque kind of luridness. I always had fun with this movie, though. I think it's fun. I like Sean Penn a lot as, like, the greasy lawyer. Doesn't uh, he have, like, curly hair in the movie? He does. He's got, yeah, this great, like, balding, <laughs> curly hair kind of look. And, you so, know, it's just stylish. On the record, it's... Mark loves Sean Penn. Yes, I do. Oh no, I don't. God. I don't. Terrible I'm just person. joking. He's an absolutely shit person. As an actor, I don't mind him, but I also don't think he's like as amazing as everybody thinks he is. Do people you know? still say that Sean Penn is amazing? Yeah. What's the What's the take on Sean Penn these days? I mean, he has that new movie that just played at Cannes. Oh, but nobody out. cared. Nobody the, cared. The one that he right? directed, right? Yeah, Flag Day, where it's like mm. him and his daughter. I think. Oh, he's got into yeah. that territory. He's making for, things. For he's aiming for the Oscars again. I don't know. I think some people liked it. But. So moving on, we have two Robert Aldrich films, and I'll be honest, I actually 
actually haven't seen either of these. We have The Last Sunset with Rock Hudson and Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas! And we also have <laughs> uh, Vera Cruz with Gary Cooper and Burt Lancaster. Now, I thought I had seen Vera Cruz, but I was thinking of another Burt Lancaster Western. Yeah, they're all not the same, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, you Robert Aldrich heads, I've talked about this filmmaker before. Big fan. He makes like really hard-edged movies. And ooh, this is pretty late in his run, 1954, 1961, which is probably yeah. why I haven't checked them out but you know what it's nice that they get blu-ray releases because I mean, people like these these have been selling well but maybe that's just they're westerns, they're westerns yeah they're like, from this they period all they all sell you know those, that mark they, yeah yeah don't ask me about these because i have no idea you know what i'm gonna be honest that the next one deadly friend directed by wes craven i've never seen i've never seen either <laughs> really? i was shocked actually because i thought i just assumed you'd seen well, you've it. seen the one scene that everybody talks I have, about i yeah. have and i and you know i really do like wes craven more or less for some reason i've just never gotten around to this one but I feel it's one of those that gets talked about so much and I've seen clips of so much that I feel like I've almost seen it. I think it's like maybe just the premise where it's like, oh, a robot moves in and it's like, eh, I'm yeah, not robot horror isn't always like I feel like it always doesn't work so much, but. I don't know. I'm definitely going to check this out now, especially now it's on Blu-ray from Shout Factory in a pretty spiffy collector's edition. Had it not been come out from Shout Factory before? I no, feel it like it had on DVD before. Huh. Yeah, which and, I think is out of print now. And too. I remember that like the scenes that we really love from this movie were done in post-production because they were like, oh, we yeah, got to jazz this up right. a little bit. So there's a infamous uh, beheading that happens in the picture. I guess oh is yeah, that technically a beheading, like a head exploding for it's like a basketball or something like that gets thrown yeah, at right. an old lady and it explodes. <laughs> and I've seen that scene a million times because people keep posting it over and over yeah, again right. that lives on the internet now. so moving on we have a film that mark was oh man he we needed to watch this oh yeah i was excited <laughs> to choose this one it is bingo b-i-n-g-o b-i-n-g i hope you like that song because i do i do the film <laughs> and like i said it's this week's blind by yeah so what, bi- what bingo is this? This is for the people who don't know. Bingo, where there's the dog on the cover and he's wearing sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, that's all you need to know. Uh, there's a tagline starring the coolest circus pup in town. Hell he's yeah. Every family's best friend. And me and Mark, we saw the cover of this endlessly as kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like at the video store. Did at they, the video why? store. Like it just burned It was just my always memory. there. And I was shocked that. Neither myself nor you had seen mm-hmm. this because I love dog family movies. I loved Airbud when it came loved out. Loved Airbud, loved any of those movie family movies with animals in it. I mean, I guess this was a little before it our was. time because this was like ninety one, right? Mm-hmm. Like early. So yeah, I think I was just a little too young, but I still remember the cover all yep. the time in the video. I mean, it's story. a dog with sunglasses. Dog with sunglasses. How can you forget that? So, but I had totally forgotten about this movie until the Blu-ray was announced and I was like, oh, bingo is coming out. So I kind of like marked my calendar. You know, it's co- <laughs> this is uh, for sure blind buy if Justin hasn't seen this. And so uh, it's also directed by Matthew Robbins. Who, yeah, it's got some credibility behind I it. I mean, I actually really like Corvette Summer and Dragon Slayer. He did another one, or maybe he, he was Guillermo yeah. del Toro's writing partner, so he co-wrote Mimic, yep. and he also wrote Crimson Peak. Yep. And I think those were very early screenplays, though, so maybe it was like in the mid-90s or the late-90s they were working together. Yeah. And I don't know if they're still working together now. Uh, probably I'm not. not. sure, because this was the last film he directed, right, yeah. I think? And then even his writing credits, apart from the Guillermo del Toro stuff, are fairly non-existent, mm-hmm. I think. So, you know, I would almost bet money he became a teacher. 
because that's what all these guys probably, do. Probably, yeah. 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 So I have to say that throw Airbud in the garbage because bingo rocks. Well, hold on. I, I'm not sure I would throw Airbud in the garbage. Throw Airbud in the okay, garbage. <laughs> I mean, bingo could not only defeat Airbud, he could yeah. defeat all the Airbuds. Oh, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I, I will agree that bingo fucking rules. I'm going to say that. Bingo, bingo rules. the best. Like the dog, no matter, no matter what you think about the movie, yeah. the dog is the best. So the sure. tone of this movie is all over the place. All over, this is not what I was expecting. No, me neither. I thought it was going to be like a friendly dog. Yeah. Like, like, almost Airbud ish, pretty much. Yeah. Or like a sub Beethoven yeah. kind of thing. No. Or whatever. This is no. the smartest dog in the world. Yeah. He can do everything. He can, <laughs> at one point, he puts up a line of clothes, yeah. undresses a boy, puts all the clothes on the line, yeah. also builds a tent. Also builds a tent. Yes. Well, the one thing he can't do, though, at least until the, the end, is Go deal with fire. fire. Yeah. He, okay. He's got some super fire so trauma. I was Which in, is so traumatic at the beginning. I was in the moment that he's being forced to jump through a fire hoop because he's a circus dog and yeah. he has a flashback of him as a puppy uh, being caught in a blazing uh, pet store. Very yeah, sad. Such also, a cute puppy, too. <laughs> his mother is dead in the background. Yeah. But then when it cut to a giant statue oh of his God. mother, like just giant uh, in a cemetery, I'm like, I'm in. And I'm he, on this film. And, and Bingo's blood. just there as a pup by himself, yeah. like with flowers. And, yeah. and I'm like, how'd you get here? Like, yeah. <laughs> but at that point, you just have to let it go. Also, the reality of the ro- uh, world, which Everybody seemingly accepts the dog can do everything, yet at other times they're surprised he can yeah. do stuff. Well, this was a far more surreal film mm. than I was expecting. At first, I was like, we, my partner and I were watching it, we're kind of like, what is with it? Like, because basically the family in this, like the father is a football player, like a pro football but player. But he's like 49 years old. He's like 49 <laughs> years old. But like, he plays for the Denver Broncos at first. And they all, the whole family is just decked out in Denver, Denver Broncos merch and like the everything, like <laughs> the everywhere Denver they Broncos. go, they're wearing shirts. <laughs> and I'm like, there must be some product placement thing. Mm. Like, what is with all this Denver Broncos merch? But clearly, this is like a part of, like, it's a joke. It's a gag for mm. the film because then he gets traded to the Green Bay Packers. And then they immediately throw out all the Denver Broncos merch and start wearing Green Bay merch the whole time. So essentially what happens is that Bingo meets this kid, saves him from a bear, and uh, befriends the kid. But first the pa- of all, the the bear scene is also great too. Like this kid is so nonchalant about like facing down a bear in the <laughs> middle in the middle of the woods. But you know, anyway. I mean, but his parents like he doesn't come home at night, and his dad is like, "Well, wait till sunrise, yeah, right? then we'll call the cops." Yeah, and he's even like, "Up oh, the sun's." Uh, he's like five, four, three, two, one, seven a.m. You can finally call the police. <laughs> yeah, I know, and then he finally shows up yeah. home. You think it's going to be like, oh, you know, the parents don't want a dog, and then mm. he has to hide the dog, which is that for a while but the main thrust of the plot is that they move away and bingo homeward bound style which came out many years after this yep. has to follow them to meet up with the kid and oh man there's a montage of the kid and bingo hanging out and like bingo can play video games oh my god he rocks at video games <laughs> what else does he do he does like everything he basically. does everything yeah. i mean this wasn't part of the montage but he drives a car at one point <laughs> right. which is probably my favorite moment well i would have to say i'm glad i didn't see this movie as a kid because there's a subplot where Bingo stumbles upon and at first it's seemingly played as a joke and yeah. they leave it where there's like a hot dog place that are using dogs as yeah, the meat yeah. and like the kids they just leave and I was like oh man that like that's the joke but no Bingo gets involved yep of course he does and he gets kidnapped almost turned into hot dogs but there's a great escape style sequence <laughs> yeah exactly where, where he gets all the, all the dogs, dogs out yeah. and then he that's when he drives the car isn't it he drives yeah, the car he drives the car because the dogs are pushing the car from mm-hmm. behind so they can get it started and he's behind the wheel with <laughs> yeah. his paws on the wheel <laughs> driving it and from there what uh, Bingo goes on a bunch of adventures this movie's just like a series of vignettes really mm-hmm. of like his adventures 
Rogers. Because uh. he saves a family from being kidnapped by criminals, yep. which leads to him being adopted by that family. Yep. And then <laughs> he is brought to court where he has to testify and point out the criminals. And the defense lawyer says, but how do we know Bingo wasn't involved in the robbery? Yeah, right. And then he gets framed for it. <laughs> do you have an alibi? And the judge is like, well, if he doesn't have an alibi, he's clearly guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Bingo goes through a lot. In goes, this to movie. goes to jail. Goes to jail in this. Um, and how does it end? Oh, it involves the criminals at the end. Basically, yeah. You get, it kind of centers around these criminals who kind of kidnap the dog, but then they kidnap the kid. Yeah, and they're going to blow him up. They're going to blow up the kid. They, yeah, Unless the, the dad bingo. doesn't make the field yeah, goal. Yeah, so it's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like trying to bet on the sports game and everything. It's got a bit of like a, almost like an Ace Ventura pet detective yes, vibe. That's exactly what it feels like. On. Wait, was this before Ace Ventura? If it, it was ninety one, it was. Uh, yeah, Bingo was before the, all the these. First, yeah. Bingo was here before anything. And I, and I have to say, the whole time too, we, we were watching. My partner was like, oh, "I hope Bingo like um, bites somebody in the nuts." Oh, at some he point. does. Oh, he does. It's like the <laughs> best nuts biting scene. He drags. There's a clip of him dragging this guy across the screen from left to right by his nuts. That is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I would say the only thing Bingo doesn't do is play sports. Yeah, he doesn't play sports, really, mm. um, which is fine. I mean, we've got, you know, 50 Airbud movies for that. Yeah. So, you know, uh, it's fine. That shot, though, of Bingo, like putting his hand on the Bible. It's oh, like, yeah, yeah. To tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, great animal acting. I, I like Bingo. Mm -hmm. uh, I think one of the best animal actors of our time, of, I mean, or of a different time. Look, if you see a film with a dog with sunglasses on the cover, you expect it's going to be shit. That, like, the dog won't do yeah. anything. It's like a kid's movie that you see, like, probably starring Dean Cain or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I was mostly expecting this to be boring, to Yeah, be but that's not like, what this it, is. This yeah. is, like, a big-budget movie, even before Baby's Day Out, which yeah. it feels like it has a lot of feel, Definitely too. before that. Also great movie. Actually, you know what? It doesn't have a gorilla, either. That's missing. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Oh, I, I want to spoil the ending of this, too, which is so good. Okay, We're spoiler like, alert. Bingo, like, goes to the hospital. Yeah. And he's about to die. And everybody you've seen throughout the movie yeah, is now on there. Bingo's side. <laughs> Even the co the uh, criminals who have been, like, caught. Even the people who are making dogs into meat are yeah, there. they're there. And they are, have carrots because they're vegetarians oh, now, yeah. I guess. So good. <laughs> and I love the final, final shot or moment when, like, oh, they, yeah. they, we got to get you neutered. <laughs> yeah, they're like, fine, like, you can finally keep the dog. It's like, but only if you're neutered. And Bingo looks into the camera like, Whoa? Oh? And, and it and makes it, a little like, um, what is it? You know, classical Iris. Iris, Iris in or something. I mean, Bingo Iris. fucks in this movie. Oh my, I was just going to say, a lot of sexual humor in this movie. Yeah. I mean, that was a 90s thing for family movies, mm -hmm. but like, yeah, a lot of inappropriate humor. There's definitely a scene where he, you know, has a lady friend dog and they, they have a he, he brings romantic her champagne. evening. Yeah. And then there's a cork pop, like, boop. As oh, scene, oh yeah. yeah, as he, you know, I mean, Bingo gets, gets drunk, off. a cop stops him and makes him walk the line. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> there is, well, you know what? Like, we're talking about this movie, like, you know, it's some stupid movie, but, like, there's a lot of self-awareness to this mm -hmm. film. Oh, Clearly, yeah, absolutely. this is just, like, a se way more self-aware than I thought. Like, I'm not sure if every single gag works, but, like, I love the willingness to just, like, try to make this as wacky mm -hmm. and, like, campy and over-the-top as possible. I was confused at one point. Bingo seems to get an operation from a Doberman, but yeah. then is it a dream? Because the kid is dreaming? <laughs> I'm not sure. Like, the whole experience of watching this movie feels like one big fever dream to me mm, now. Absolutely. Point, which is great. You know, it almost has a vibe of, like, I know you screened this movie in the past, like, something like Motorama or something, where you it's know, like... It absolutely you know feels I mean? like, like Motorama, like a surreal... surreal like, yeah. a bunch of surreal vignettes where, like, mm. a character's getting from, like, like going on a cross-country road trip. Would we recommend this? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, 
Don't look at the price tag when <laughs> oh you buy this. Oh my god, that's insane! Um, For unfortunately, an, like a, uh, this is put out by Sony as like one of their just bare bones MOD line. It has nothing on it but a theatrical trailer. Where's Shout Factory? Where's our Where's bingo Shout special Fa- edition? There needs to be a set, like a special edition of this. They can put out like Mac and Me and stuff like that. You can put out Bingo, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, this is kind of pricey. But you know what? I'm gonna say this is worth it. Well worth the price. Because I posted about Bingo and everyone's like, "Oh, I remember Bingo. Yeah, I right? remember Bingo." So I think we all have a fondness for it. Maybe we haven't all seen this movie, but we all know this cover for sure you know what he doesn't ever really go to la or anything right it's no got, like, yeah i think they're trying the to make t- it look like like beverly hills chihuahua yeah but chihuahua. it's not like that no it's not like that at all <laughs> but that's fine that's fine yeah. I, don't, I don't really mind so moving on we have trick or treats yes there are a million movies called this this there is are. the not good one that uh <laughs> stars oh man the stars on this cover are not the stars of the picture they oh, barely no. appear in it david carradine steve Railsback, and carrie snodgrass i'm mentioning it only because this is a movie directly Directed by Gary Graver, someone that oh, I'm right. a huge fan of. He uh, shot The Other Side of the Wind, Orson Welles' last film. He shot all of Farrell and Ray's great, good movies. He worked in shit. He was a very famous porn director that was, according to people that worked with him, one of the best. This is a film he did himself. It's a horror picture in the Halloween mold. Gary Graver does not want to make this movie, but I picked it up out of honor to my man, Gary Graver. What's cool about it is it was like a family production. So like his son actually stars in the movie and his son is so annoying in this. <laughs> like, he uh, is nepotism. the worst. More, not nepotism. Okay. Because it was an independent production that Gary right, Graver right. funded himself and shot and directed. And I'm sure he wrote it too. Nice. And so, yeah, if you want something like really low rent Halloween-ish, I would probably recommend Trick or Treats because it's so weird, even though nothing happens versus something like Offerings, which is a Halloween ripoff, which is like, oh, boring right. so and this is the code red disc so there's like you know high def master an audio commentary with a bunch of people that were involved uh even an audio interview with actor steve Railsback. so uh, stevie I'm, this is not is this a kino release i don't see yeah any- so kino distributes code red stuff I don't see any um, Kino branding on it anymore. Just as Code Red. Yeah, it's weird. It does come through Kino though. Okay. So, but yeah, no, this is a great release for Halloween. I mean, I, we've sold a lot of these, but really? I think it's just because like the look of it, right? Yeah. Like, and it's Halloween. Well, when people sit so. and watch it, they're gonna be like, "What is this?" Yeah. But you know what? I gave people a warning. So, if you are interested in Gary Graver, check out Golden Ninja Videos, the other side of Gary Graver disc, which where we have at the store. Too. And uh, the movies on that are not very good, but it's all about Gary Graver. So, and that's what's really cool about it that we made it like a love letter to him oh yeah so moving on we have the haunting of bly manor this is the uh, sequel even though it's not related in any way <laughs> no. to uh the haunting of hill house this is a mike flanagan production i wasn't that interested in it was when it came out just because he didn't direct every episode which he did on the haunting of hill house but it's still really interesting and good and it is a adaptation very loosely of uh the taming of the screw turn of, turn turn of, of the, the screw, screw. yeah taming of taming the screw. of the taming of the screw yeah i know about you <laughs> <laughs> uh which is a story i'm always like Ugh, not again yeah. it's like the innocence and stuff which is a great movie but it's actually a really interesting adaptation and they got interesting people to direct episodes like Axel Carolyn and Liam Gavin, the director of The Hollows, which I really like. Oh, yeah. He also directed The Nun, which I have not seen because people I have, were... I think I watched like one. 10 minutes of that and turned it but off. But you know what? Maybe I'll check it out because I always hear him on podcasts and he's really cool. And what I like about this is this is a Netflix show. Yeah. And on Blu-ray, they like did featurettes. There's commentaries by Mike Flanagan, Liam Gavin, and Axel 
Carolyn. So this is probably something that only exists because the producers on the picture, specifically Mike Flanagan, pushed for it. Yeah, I think because Paramount also has like a stake in they made it or mm. had some production credit on it. So I think that's kind of in the deal where it's like we are going to put a physical yeah. release of this out at some point. I remember Mike Flanagan complaining when he did Gerald's Game and Hush that he's like, it really right. bums me out that these are never going to come out on Blu-ray yeah. and be a vi- like on a shelf somewhere. So yeah. clearly he probably has a deal in it in, in his, you know, Paramount or whatever it is that, you know, they have to come out. Yeah, I wonder if Midnight Mass will come out or not. I don't know. Is that a Paramount production or is it a Netflix I'm one? I'm not sure. It might just be wholly Netflix. Uh, I'm not I kind of sure. like Midnight Mass, but not that much. Okay. Too much monologuing. Yeah. Is what I, I, I'm a little tired out by Mike Flanagan myself. I think he said days, that before, but, but you were never a fan. No, I liked him a lot. In the uh, early you days. liked Oculus, right? Liked Oculus. Not a I fan liked, of Oculus. Really? No. I like Absentia a lot. Oh, okay. Absentia yeah, is I pretty like mean spirited too, but I can get behind the fact that he made it for no money. Yeah. I liked his early stuff. I didn't mind his like Ouija sequel too. Oh, I actually like Ouija. Was okay. I was a little let down by it just because yeah. people were hyping it up a lot. And I really, uh, you know what? I like Dr. Sleep a lot. For I what it was, yeah, actually. And what was the other one that he made before I wake? I, I saw that yeah. was okay. But he does yeah. have like it's the same style every is, time. Yeah. Where you're like, shake it up, dude! Come on! I know. And I think with Haunting of Hill House, which I did see, mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen Blind Manor, um, but I Hill House I liked a lot at first until like the halfway point, and then it just was like they you need wrap to be this up, seven dude. episodes. Like, yeah, they it cannot be. T- it, I think it was ten episodes. It wasn't was it? Too and like long. two or three of those final episodes were like just pure filler, and it was like so boring to watch so moving on we have the green knight uh david lowry picture i haven't seen this one actually oh you haven't seen this no. yeah yeah we're moving to some new movie territory here yeah this was actually the first movie that i saw in a theater again after since the pandemic started um and you know what i thought it was a good one to see in a theater it was like big and like but it's like in that super a24 yeah, kind yeah. of way where it's like their version of like a summer blockbuster or something um i like this movie i'm not you know a huge like I'm not always into like medieval type stuff like this, but I don't know. It's got a really good sense of like he's definitely working from like art house inspirations like a Tarkovsky or something mm-hmm. just as much as like, you know, an Excalibur or something like that. I thought he did a good job with this. Um, I'm not like a crazy fan of David Lowry. I like a ghost I, story. I like a ghost story. Yeah, I like a ghost story a lot. Not Pete's some- Dragon. <laughs> Yeah, I never saw that one. Yeah. <laughs> or what is, no, I was going to say a guide to recognizing your saints, not him. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's, our, that's our guy. Dito, yeah. yeah. Uh, what was the other one? It's like, yeah, Ain't Nobody ain't body Saints, yeah. yeah. Like Which is like, all right. Yeah. Like Terrence Malick. But The Green Knight, stuff. you like it, right? I like The Green Knight. And the performance is really good. I like Dev Patel a lot in it. And the effects are really good. You know, it doesn't go too overboard with the CGI, but what it does use it in some really interesting ways, including one sequence which is like seemingly an homage to Fantastic Planet, the creatures yeah. in that. Um, so yeah, I, I had a good time with this. I How does it, it compare to Your Highness, David Gordon Green's oh, film? I hated that movie. <laughs> I was really excited for that because I was a huge Pineapple Express fan. Went to see it, I what think. What was going like, on on that film? Was it just improv so city? unfunny. Yeah. I remember sitting there in the theater and being like, wow, every single joke is not landing. Like, they're You know what? All I bet you they flat. laughed really hard on set. Yeah, I felt like they were just stoned the entire time. And yeah. then they watched it back after and were like, oh, wow, this... This isn't quite funny, but like we've already made it, I guess. Yeah. So let's put it out there. Have you seen Halloween Kills yet? Nah. Oh, no. You didn't like the, uh, didn't the last like one, right? I didn't like the last one. like this one. No, so that, that's what I hear. I mean, I might do it just, I mean, because I've seen all the Halloween movies at this point. But 
I don't know. I don't like the direction he's going in with these Halloweens, but no, me neither. That's just me. So we have one. Ooh, it was Mark all over. Did yeah, you watch this? Is, I did. Of course I did. It's Deadly Illusions. What is this, Mark? So this looks like a super generic, like lifetime movie kind of thing put out by our friends at Dark Star Pictures, who I feel like we talk about all the time now. I ah, love it. But this is actually a legit. It is like a lifetime movie premise where you have like a famous novelist who's yeah written a bunch of successful novels. They're trying to get her to write another one, but she's kind of got writer's block she's like super rich has this mansion so she needs more time to write so she has a young child she hires a babysitter who turns out to be possibly crazy you know doing crazy stuff behind behind the scenes so it's one of those typical lifetime movie um plots but this is actually a legit movie that has actors like Kristen davis from sex in the city dermot mulrooney who is in just everything uh who's the guy that people always confuse with dermot uh, mulrooney uh dylan mcdermott dylan, dylan mcdermott, mcdermott <laughs> mulrooney um <laughs> So it actually has a budget. Um, it's from a female director too, and a lot of these kind of like has erotic she done stuff domestic thrillers are not. She's done actually some more lifetime movie yeah. type stuff, but actually for TV. But mm. this actually has a budget. Looks kind of nice, and I'm not going to say it's great because oh, it definitely you're talking me into it, Mark. It definitely doesn't. It drops the ball in the end. I'll say that. No, but it actually does something interesting for the first half, where like usually these kind of movies, like the babysitter is like obviously crazy and she's going to cause shit, and that is kind of what this is. But Kristen Davis, who plays the rich novelist, is just as much of a... They set her up to be almost just as much of a predator at first, Mm -hmm. where she kind of, like, starts to have these erotic feelings for her. She's starting to be inappropriate with the babysitter in ways that kind of reflect, like, abusive working relationships. Mm -hmm. And they actually start to go into that aspect of it for a good stretch. And it actually hooks you. Like, you actually want to know where it's going. Unfortunately, the ending doesn't... Like, it drops the ball. Okay. I'm going to say that. But I would say for a good stretch of it, it's actually well worth watching. It's got some nice production design. And it's nice to see a movie like this actually from a female perspective where a lot of these are just from, like, male perspectives. Mm. So, yeah, I would say if you want, if you like these kind of thrillers, you could do a lot worse than this. So, moving on. Oh, man. Mark pushed us back because it was going to be a big <laughs> day. Because, <laughs> Oh, you know what that means. Willis (laughs) Willis Watch. Watch Times two this week. We have got two doses of Willis Watch. I cannot believe that on the cover of the first one we'll talk about, Survive the Game. It's the same image as Midnight in the Switch It is. Glass. They've literally used his face. I mean, it's another Lionsgate release, so I guess it's cheaper for them just to, you know, transplant his face onto <laughs> is another. Is it? Like... <laughs> I mean, he can't show up for... He doesn't show up for, no, like, No, but they could have taken any other like frame than this one. He Look. looks so confused <laughs> on the cover. Like, this is a terrible image of him. Oh, like, it's brutal. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I think we're going to get to the point of, at some point that he's not even going to have to show up to film these movies. Well, you they're, heard they're the Russian like, thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. They're just going to like put his face on it in like in editing afterwards. Oh, God. So survive the game. <laughs> well, you know what? I <laughs> It's hard to talk about these. OK, so survive the game. Oh, wait. What? So, oh, you don't you. It's because they're to kind talk of like the separate. same. They're kind of the same movie. So okay. the other one is called Out of Death. So these, these titles are interchangeable, right? Like <laughs> Survive the Game. Survive the Game and Out of Death. So Survive the Game has Bruce and Chad Michael Murray, who we talked about a few weeks ago as Ted Bundy. Mm. 
uh, out of death has Bruce Willis and Jamie King, who, you know. I got to say, the director of Survive the Game popped up on my Twitter yesterday. No way. Oh, yeah, because it's James Cullen Bressack. That's right. He did some low-budget horror stuff, right? Yeah, and because there was an accident that happened yesterday, it was guns. Right. He, like, tweeted about, like, yeah. I will never use any live guns on my set anymore. And I look, who is this? I was like, Survive the Game. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a lot of live guns, it seems like, and oh, Survive really? the Game. I mean, there's a lot of firefights, so mm. I don't know what he does. But these movies are kind of essentially the same movie. And it's funny because the bad guy, it's the same actor playing the bad guy <laughs> in both movies. But that is wild. So much so when I was watching Survive the Game, like, wait a sec, that's the same guy. And I thought for a sec, this was like an interconnected universe. And yeah. these were, but it's not. He plays like different name and everything. Happen? But it's essentially kind of the is same Is it the plot. same production company that made both? Yeah, it is. So it's Randall Emmett, who we've talked Ooh, about. Ooh, the money laundering guy. Yep. And his wife and Vanderpump Rules star, Lala King, is in Out of Death in a pretty significant role, actually. But um, they're kind of the same. So survive the game. You know, Bruce and another generic guy are cops who are going after these drug dealers who get away. It all ends up at the home, the farmhouse of Chad Michael Murray, who is like he just lost his wife and kid in an accident. He's depressed. And basically he's like some ex cop mm-hmm. special forces guy who basically it's one of those kind of movies. Yeah. Out of death takes place in seems like the Appalachian or something and it has to deal with like drug dealer corrupt cops there and again Bruce Willis is just like a retired cop who's like moved out here to see a friend and he gets caught up in this Bruce Willis is in five to ten minutes of these movies (laughs) (laughs) seriously it's like does he get killed in either one of them no he survives both of these movies but he does not do like Chad Michael Murray and Jamie King do more of the heavy lifting in these movies while Bruce just sits around in survive the game they kidnap bruce the bad guys so he just sits in a chair the whole time <laughs> classic bruce. and whenever there's a shot of bruce from behind where it's the back of his head it's not bruce willis why wouldn't they just put like a hood on him or something like that so you I'm wouldn't sure. think about that yeah they, he literally and the, out of death actually had one of the funniest trivia moments or trivia items on imdb i don't know if this is true or not but it was like um, Bruce Willis was due to shoot two days on Out of Death, but due to COVID restrictions, they could only shoot his scenes in one day. And I'm like, <laughs> there's no way Bruce Willis ever shoots for more than one day on these movies. All right. What does he do in the rest of like his days? Like, does <laughs> well, he take care he, of his kids? He goes to he goes to pharmacies and refuses to wear a mask. I remember and that. And he gets in fights. Um, there's that. I mean, he clearly he doesn't even show up to the premiere. I remember Midnight in the Switchgrass had like actually had a premiere. There's no way he he's did showing show up at the up premiere. To. Yeah. I don't know what he does. Like, does he even act in legit movies anymore? I know every once in a while he's in like a Wes Anderson movie. Uh, Motherless Brooklyn. He was in Brooklyn. But like, even that feels like it was a few years ago. Yeah, it was. I look at his resume and it's literally like he does three or four of these a year now. And that's it. It doesn't Mm. seem like there's anything else. Wow. I think he's got another couple like coming out very soon. Like Willis Watch, we will be on I mean, if he every only month shoots a day, he could technically make like a hundred movies yeah. a year if he wanted to. Well, he just gets a, this is lucrative for him yeah. because they, you know what, say what you will about these movies and their shit and everything, but like this is a lucrative business. These movies pre-sell to VOD and I think we underestimate the appeal that some just having Bruce Willis's face on something has for boomers. How many know? times can someone get tricked, though? That's what I don't understand. But that's a classic Steven Seagal problem, right? Which it is, is like right? Steven Seagal keeps making movies. They're clearly still selling. Yeah. So but I think Bruce is a little bit different than Seagal because he has a little bit more widespread cachet. appeal. Okay, yeah, yeah, like Bruce Willis, like... 
you know, moms and dads love Bruce Willis, whereas maybe Steven Seagal is not so mm-hmm. much widely loved. And I think it's just like, I don't know how often you get tricked because I watch these. The only reason I watch these movies is because we're like, masochism. there's a masochism. I know what I'm getting yeah. into with these movies. I know he's only going to be in five minutes. Do you think there'll be a day perhaps where you find like a great movie that like Bruce Willis is only in like five minutes? Not of? one of these. I no? don't think. The problem is they never have any interesting directors making these. And even, and I mean, the problem is they can't because they're all just smothered to death by the producers. I remember reading an article once where one of the directors was just like, he couldn't do most of what he wanted to do because of budgetary restraints, producer control, like all this stuff. Like, this is these are more like producer made movies. Mm. I think I don't think there's much directorial like a TV voice. show. Yeah, like both of these movies are directed by different people, and they both feel like the exact same movie. Mm. So. I mean, the directors clearly think... care if he's putting Survive the Game in his Twitter bio, which I... is like, that that's wild. I mean, I guess it's a credit. Like, I guess when you're making movies with Bruce Willis, I mean, they pick a lot of those directors who started in VOD horror. Like, there's the other guy. Oh, I know did... exactly who you're talking about, who did um, uh, Automata and Transfusion. Yeah, and like his Under the Bruce Bed. Willis movies are not good. They're not good. Marauders. He has and... done, yeah, he's done a bunch of them, and he's always plugging them online. I, mean, so... was, I, I never liked any of his movies, though. That was a guy that like... <laughs> I liked Aggression Scale. I, oh, I had some I fun like with that. Oh, you know what? Yeah. That's a lie. Because I, I am one of the few people who, because my opinion of the, you know, I thought it was going to be bad, I enjoyed Under the Bed. Yeah, I liked Under movie. the Bed. Yeah, very so. Joe Dante-esque. Yeah, very Joe know. Dante-esque. And you can tell he was trying some stuff. And Aggression yeah. Scale, like, it was almost there. It was almost there. I mean, for both that and Under the Bed had, like, I had enough fun with that I can, like, talk about them in a positive way. But you're right. They're they're kind of, like, just rip-offs of 80s stuff. Mm-hmm. Or, like, he's trying to do, like, an 80s type thing and just... But, like, handheld. And it looks like Saving yeah. Private Ryan. That's true. That's that true. Seemingly has stopped making movies. I remember looking at his IMDb recently, and it was very yeah, quiet. After he was cranking out the Bruce stuff for yeah. a while, but I guess he doesn't do it because <laughs> he so was much like, anymore. "Oh yeah, Bruce Willis had a good time working with me for like a day." Yeah, I, I guess Stephen Stephen Miller, right? Stephen C. Yes. Miller, or something yeah, like that. that's right, Stephen C. Yeah, Miller. I mean, I mean, we can always hope. Know. Because Nick Cage, he's turning it around. Nick he was Cage going down doing, the Bruce Willis path. I don't know if Bruce Willis cares as much. No, he you know, doesn't. With Nick Cage, like, yeah, he does a lot of shit, but I, I've always felt like Nick Cage cares about the craft of acting. Bruce Willis does not care about the craft of acting. Could Bruce Willis make Hudson Hawk 2? I don't know. Who I don't know. If, would he even care to make Hudson Steven Hawk 2 these D, days? Uh, e Stephen D- C. Miller? <laughs> no, not Stephen C. Or, Miller. Uh, D'Souza? Oh, D'Souza. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bring him. Where's he at these days? Oh, no. Get. Um, he hasn't directed a movie in ages. Forever, right? Um, the guy who did Love and Death. He also did Happy Campers. And he oh, wrote yeah. Heathers. Uh, Daniel. Something. Waters. Waters, right. Yeah. yeah what yeah. if he came back, directed Bruce in Hudson hey, Hawk 2? I'm all for seeing Bruce, like, try and do something. Hey, did we talk a about more on this? I think we, uh, we may have talked about the special that he did, the Bruno special. Yeah, have yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, well, I saw it because you turned me on to that yeah, when yeah. you were doing your podcast about it, yeah. Because that's Bruce. That's Bruce right like, there. Like, committed. See, I want to see that Bruce. Like, yeah. I wanted somebody to go to Bruce, or like, even this producer, go to Bruce and be like, Bruce, what do you want to make? Yeah. Like, what's your passion project? And see what he says. Maybe he doesn't. May, I mean, maybe Bruce he, Willis he, like has just, no passions anymore. Yeah. I mean, maybe Bruce Willis is just a wax dummy now. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. he's dead and he's just been replaced by a wax dummy. After Hudson Hawk, man, he's just <laughs> I like I give up. That was it. Yeah. It's <laughs> like that was his one. He shot for the stars and it didn't work out so well. <laughs> well, I mean, that's it for Willis Watch. But you'll be back. We'll be back soon. We'll the next one. I'm sure we'll be back next month with something. Hopefully, maybe one day with Hudson Hawk too. Yeah. So you're Catch not the Hawk. like you're not even gonna watch these movies. Anymore, no. Right? You're, you're done with Bruce. No. No. There's yeah. been nothing like i watch Cosmic i wouldn't Sin recommend it yeah and oh, oh, awful awful that's the one that the directors uh yeah. trolled me on twitter for if you told me that like the director was trying yeah i'd be like mm, 
okay. Like, if I looked at the back of this, yeah. and maybe the director did a commentary, that, like, maybe he cared enough. Maybe. Like, I saw Midnight in the Switchgrass, the uh, sleazy director yeah. did a commentary on that. Which was at least a little bit different, mm-hmm. just because it had... I feel like that was powerhouse. That was terrible. Um, but Megan it, Fox. Yeah, and, right. Uh, what's his name? Old Machine Strangly. Gun, Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah. That Machine oh, Gun. and Emil Hirsch. Emil no, Hirsch. Emil Hirsch was yeah. old, strang- old Strangly. Yeah. Speed racer. Uh, oh, Emil Hirsch was the only one who showed up to that premiere. Wow. The only one. Poor Emil and Hirsch. This, and the cast of Vanderpump Rules. Yeah. The boy next door himself. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Cosmic Sin honestly looks like a masterpiece compared to these two. I frankly. don't understand. Like, I wish the director maybe they like. Uh, it's tough. I, I don't it's understand tough. how these movies like, get made. Because it, you know what? I like these. I don't mind like a good Zed grade action movie mm-hmm. type thing. But there's just so little to it. Passion. Yeah. Any of these. Yeah. Like, I don't need a lot. But these give me nothing. Like, give me at an all. idea. Like, these, like something. Sleep. Honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I recently uh, talked to somebody who worked for the asylum, and he gave me like a. I was like like do they know their movies are bad and he's like yeah but they care a lot about them like they want every movie to be good and that's and fine, it's like you know? but how it shouldn't be that hard though yeah. like asylum's track record is terrible really bad. Yeah, yeah like really bad <laughs> yeah, you... but the guys told me that like they'll give them notes like i don't believe a character would say that nah. which is unfathomable to me having right? watched the movies yeah <laughs> So you don't know, man. It's like weird personalities, maybe. Like you said, that producer produces all of these. Yep. He could be like the creative guy behind the I scenes. I think he is. I really think he is. And that's why all the movies are the way they are. Because they do all feel the same, mm-hmm. more or less. So. All right. Well, that's it for the Bay Street Video Podcast. We'll be yes, back uh, next week, our last spooky, spooky episode. Spooky week. <laughs> we got some spooky stuff coming out next week, yeah. I think. So until then, my name is Dustin Glue. And I'm Mark Hansen. Keep on buying. Keep on renting. Bruce Willis film. Bruce Willis film. We got so many of them. Please. (laughs) These movies and many more are available at your local video store. We got so many of them.